You get a word from God, you get a touch from God, and then you go out and do what God called you to do, and you don't worry about being good at it, and you don't worry about how comfortable you are. You say, God, this is what Jesus came to do. You came to break the power of the enemy, and so by your grace and your power, you're gonna make it happen in this situation. And God, I believe you, and you have faith rise in your heart, and you watch God do the supernatural through you. I just wanna to talk to you for a few minutes tonight from the subject, why Jesus came. Why Jesus came. And you know why that's important? Because we're called to partner with God with what he is doing on the planet. That's a mind-blowing thought that God said, you know what? I'm gonna send my son to save humanity and then he's gonna use you to help accomplish his work on the earth. Now I'll tell you what, that tells you a couple things. God is all-knowing because you never would make that decision on your own, and he's all-powerful because you could never do it on your own, but God is also good because he loves to use people to partner with him to do the supernatural, to do things that would never be possible without him, so he gets the glory, amen? I love that. You know, it, when it comes to partnering, I don't know if you've ever, like, decided, hey, I'm going to work out, you know, I'm going to start working out, I'm going to be a worker-outer of working and out. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to get a friend, and we're going to do this together, and it's going to be awesome, and then you, like, partner up with that friend, and you determine, like, they don't really want to work out like I do, they just want to talk, you know, <laughs> like, they, like, they get, you're up at five in the morning, all right, you're, you're, like, ready to do everything, and they're like, hey, what's up, bro, you know, you're like, we're here to work, friend, all right? Uh, I, I, for me, like, when I first was dating, I, I started working out with my brother-in-law, Scott Obrimsky. He's, the, he's a pastor in Summit Park. He, at the time, he was the worship pastor here, the Master's Commission pastor. It was like a college program that we had here at the church. And, and the thing was, I was dating, or was kind of like into his sister, who I'm now married to, so it's cool. Uh, so... But he was like, he saw me grow up through like junior high when I desperately needed Jesus and it wasn't going well for me. And he was like, no, dude, this ain't happening. <laughs> so, but I was so persistent and I had a grace of the Lord on my life and the favor of God going before me. And now I'm married, people. Hello, somebody give God some praise in this place. All right. He is good. But he was like, he was like, hey, this is going to work out. But he's like, okay, if we're going to do this, then you're going to work out with me. So I came and worked out with him. But I was totally that person that was like, we were there. And I was, I was just chatting it up when we were supposed to be working out. Didn't work out so well. And all that to say, when you partner with somebody, it helps when you're both on the same page. You're going to be more effective when you're doing it together, when you have an idea of the mission and we're called to partner with the Spirit of God for what He is doing on the earth. You are. I am. We're called to be Christ's ambassadors. In fact, in 2 Corinthians, it says this. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making His appeal through us. Everybody say, whoa. Whoa. Just read that again. Uh, we are Christ's ambassadors. What's an ambassador? It, they represent the entire country that they're from. We represent the kingdom and the king when we're on the earth. 
You do, I do, and we're supposed to represent Jesus, and God is making his appeal through us. So all that to say, it's really important that we understand why Jesus came and what Jesus is doing, right? So I want to give you a few scriptures. I'm not going to go through all of the reasons why we came. It's a great study when you look at the word of God to say, okay, you know, Jesus several times says, I came for this. Or you have writers of scripture who are talking about why Jesus came. And it's a great study to help you understand. But I want to take you through a few of them. The first one is in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It says, here's a saying that is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Some translation says, of whom I am the worst. Man, that's, that's good news right there. This is the Apostle Paul writing this scripture, and he's saying, you know what? If you needed, to, if you had to boil it down, if you had to say, why did Jesus come? He came to save sinners and I'm the worst one. Because how many of you know we are all the worst sinner that we know? You are the worst sinner that you know. You need Jesus more than anybody else you know because you know you. But Jesus Christ came to save you anyway. That's why he came. He came to save sinners. Jesus Christ came to do that. And I thought that when you, when you talk about saved, it, that word saved is sozo. You know, sometimes we can think of salvation and we're like, God saved us from sin, which is absolutely correct. And everybody desperately needs that. But God doesn't just save you from sin. He saves you to a life of purpose. He saves you to a life of being used by him. He saves you to hope. He saves you to life. He saves you to heaven. He saves you to his presence. And in sozo, the word that's used for save, it's all wrapped up in that. That God saved you to make you whole. Sometimes that word is used for healing. God saves you to make you a whole person. To bring you near to him. Look at this one. From that time on, it says in Matthew, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is the very start of Jesus' ministry. Why did he come? Instantly when he starts teaching, he says, I've come to initiate the kingdom. My kingdom is starting now. I've come to bring a new, not just a new way of thinking, but a whole new way of life. Uh, I've come to bring my rule, my dominion, my power into the earth. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus came, he was initiating the end. The end of death, the end of, of sin, the end of separation from God, the end of all of what we know as people separated from God in a sin-cursed world on this planet. He said, you know what? This has an ending, but it starts with my kingdom. Don't you love that Jesus came to start a kingdom? Don't you love that Jesus came so we could be used by him and live under his power and his dominion? One of my favorite one, and I'm going to skip ahead for the person on notes because it's, it just comes to my mind when you think about the kingdom. And I don't know if you've read this scripture, but listen to this one. This is in Luke. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. Jesus. You probably have not, I mean, I don't know if you have that on a coffee cup. If you do, you're awesome. Uh, this passage is in the context 
of the end times, what God is doing. You know, when Jesus is coming, he's initiating the end. That's so critical for us to understand. You know, sometimes I, growing up in church, you may have heard, if you grew up in church, you may have heard like, we're in the end times. You know, this is the end. And then you kind of go on for 10 years and then somebody else goes, hey, this is the end times. This is the end of days. And the problem with that, it's not bad what the preacher is saying. The problem is you can be like, oh yeah, they said that 10 years ago. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus initiated the end when he came to earth. And the end matters. Because we're on the clock for Jesus coming back and cracking open the sky and taking people to heaven with him. We're on the clock for when God separates the sheep from the goats. That's people who love Jesus, know Jesus, and people who are separated from God forever. And yes, it's worth celebrating that there is an end, but there's also an urgency and an intensity that should accompany that thought for every believer that God, you're doing that? I need to be a part of it. So it doesn't matter those things. It kind of puts life in perspective, doesn't it? That thing you're worried about right now, that is God cares about the details of your life. I'm not saying that he doesn't care, but I, I do think you have to keep it in perspective to say, God, is my life about your kingdom because we're in the end? And I know, God, you came to start it, to set the world on fire, not just in a judgment sense, which will happen, but right now, in a spirit sense, to say, I'm going to pour out my spirit, and I'm going to save so many people, it's going to blow people's minds. That's what, the, that's what, you know, the prophet Joel in Acts, it says, it says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit, and everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So the, the, the play has been set, as it were. Jesus is doing this. Are you doing it with him? Jesus is doing this. Are you doing it with him? In thinking about this message, I, I um, got a WWJD bracelet. Do you guys remember when WWJD came out? It's a good thing, all right? What would Jesus do? And it got super popular. I don't know, probably like 98. I don't know. Um, 2000. When, anybody want to guess? We're going to Google it, and we'll know if you're wrong. <laughs> Nobody brave enough. WWJD means what would Jesus do? And it's a, once again, it's a great phrase. People would wear it on their wrist, and then that way when they were about to, like, um, you know, it's funny, like, not tip somebody or, you know, like, uh, you know, maybe cut somebody off on the highway. The, the, the whole reminder was, would Jesus do that? And that's not bad. I don't think Jesus would cut people off on the highway, and I think Jesus would be a good tipper for sure. But it's funny. You can think of that like people would think, like, you know, What's it mean to be like a Christian, you know, and people respond to this the same way they respond to that. They would, they would say, well, I think you just be a good person, be nice to people if they don't really know what the Bible says or know the Lord. And when it comes to what did Jesus do, you know, what would Jesus do? Jesus would be nice to people and Jesus would be kind. Jesus would be loving. And that is 100% true. But if we want to really model our lives off of what would Jesus do, then the question we need to ask is, what has Jesus done? Because if we don't understand what he's done, then it's going to be hard for us to act the way he would in a situation and do what he did because we're partnering with him. And that's why a message like tonight is critical 
for you to understand and for me to think about and for us to respond to because we want to have lives that reflect Jesus. Remember, we're Christ's ambassadors. We're his answer for humanity. His spirit coming on you and me and us impacting a city and a state and a country for Jesus. And I really want to campground, or camp, campground. I want to camp on, a, we can campground here. It's cool. I want to camp on one scripture of why Jesus came. And, and I want us to think about that tonight. And it, we'll put it up on the screen. 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Yeah, it's, 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 that's cool. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. Now, it's important for us as we think about that to be like, okay, that's why Jesus came. What is the work of the devil? And the devil does two things primarily. He deceives people and he oppresses people. The devil is a liar. And how he deceives people is he manipulates some untruth that they already believe. Some thought that they already have. He motivates that and manipulates that. Or he takes something that is actually true and twists it. He twists the truth. So you may be like, man, I'm not good enough for God. And then the enemy motivates that thought and says, you'll never be good enough. I'm not good enough for God. There's no hope for you. I'm not good enough for God. Yeah, God came to save sinners of who? You are the worst, so bad that he can't save you. He motivates that thought. God doesn't answer your prayers. God answers everybody else's prayers. He motivates that thought to cause you to not have faith. And we empower the thought when we believe the lie. But we have to remember the enemy is a liar. John 8, says this. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And that's, it's important for us to understand that. How do you defeat the enemy? You know the word of God. You know the truth. Even Jesus, when he's tempted by the enemy, he responds by quoting scripture. The word in flesh quoted scripture back to the enemy and shut the enemy down with truth. You know what? It, I, oftentimes we can encounter that kind of situation where we're feeling like, I mean, we're under attack from the enemy and you won't get away from that by just trying to put it out of your mind. You have to attack the enemy with truth. The enemy's a liar. But as we, if we're going to do what Jesus did and we're going to destroy the work of the enemy, that means it's not only for us, but we're to go on offense for the people around us. Because some people don't know the truth. Some people are oppressed by the enemy. Some people are so wrapped up in guilt and shame and they're so just oppressed by the enemy that you coming in, that truth is not just for you, but it's to speak it over people. It's to proclaim good news to people. To proclaim that there's a God who loves them. No, you are not too far gone. No, God can help you. No, God is able. No, God will answer your prayers because God loves you. Disempower the lie with truth. It's how the enemy works. He's a liar, but he also brings oppression. He also brings oppression to people's lives in a way that 
destroys them. I, th- I think a, a good picture of this is in Acts chapter 10, it says this. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus didn't just look at situations and say, man, I wish I could do something about that. I had the opportunity uh, recently to go um, into the neurotrauma ICU. And we prayed, uh, we prayed last week for Jared English, who was in a bike accident and was paralyzed. Um, and so I was going in there uh, to visit them. And when you walk into that unit, you're blown away by some of the things people are walking through. And you're heartbroken when you see what people are dealing with. And it's a reminder we live in a sin-cursed world. And we live in a place and a world where people are walking through things where they desperately need a touch from God. Sometimes we can make it so complicated. But it's not complicated to the person that's hurting. And God is able, and we're called to do what Jesus does. And to say, God, I don't heal anybody. God, I'm not able in any situation. But I'm on assignment. And God, you you set me here as an ambassador for Christ. And it wasn't just to give somebody a platitude or a nice phrase. It was to bring your power into this situation and to break the work of the enemy. You can do that. Not on your own, but you can do that by the power of Jesus Christ working through you. You can look at somebody with an addiction and say, Jesus can free you from that. You can look at somebody who is wrapped up in depression and anxiety and say, Jesus can free you from that. You can bring his power to free people who are oppressed by the enemy. You can, you can pray for somebody who needs healing and in Jesus' name, raise them up by his power. Look at this. It says the Holy Spirit and power because God was with him. You know, the Bible says the Lord is with you when you are with him. So it's not us being like, okay, I'm just going to go. I'm going to see how it works. No, you get with God. You get in his presence. You get, you get a word from God. You get a touch from God. And then you go out and do what God called you to do. And you don't worry about being good at it. And you don't worry about how comfortable you are. You say, God, this is what Jesus came to do. You came to break the power of the enemy. And so by your grace and your power, you're going to make it happen in this situation. And God, I believe you. And you have faith rise in your heart. And you watch God do the supernatural through you. Some of you, as I'm talking, you can think of a situation that you interact with on the regular. But you've never brought Jesus into the situation. And that's not to make you feel bad, but that's to say, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to touch us with his spirit wherever we go that would be used by him. And musicians, you guys can come. But it all happens when we say, God, I believe that you want to do that. And honestly, if you recognize, God, that's not happening in my life right now. 
But God, I, I believe I'm your ambassador on the earth. I believe I'm called to bring your kingdom to the people around me. And God, I, I want to I do that. And I believe if I step out of faith, you're going to use me to do it. And I'll represent Jesus well. And not be intimidated by it. Because it's not an intimidation thing. That's not going to get you anywhere. It's an obedience thing. And saying, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power so I can bring your life to people. So I can free people who are oppressed by the, in the name of Jesus. And once again, it's not you or I that free anybody. It's Jesus Christ working through us. But Jesus said he'll go with you. So what I want us to do right now is I just want to invite us to fill the altar and say, God, I pray, God, for a fresh infusion of your power. And God, I pray, God, where you're sending me, I would go as an ambassador for Jesus. I pray the next time, God, that I see somebody with a need, I wouldn't be intimidated, but I'd be full of the Holy Spirit and say, God, I'm ready to represent you. And you know what? You can obey your way to great faith. You might not be like, I feel like a person of great faith. Stop evaluating your faith and just say, God, I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to get in your presence and then be obedient. You watch what God does.